0: You're listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast, the podcast where we focus exclusively on all things local to the DMV area. Local investors, local knowledge, local
1: experts. Our journey starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the DC Real Estate Podcast. My name is Russell Brazil. I am an associate broker with Arla Rat Properties.
0: I am Sarah Frank. I'm also on the District Invest Group, licensed in Maryland and
1: DC. All right. So this week, we've got Kevin Fawley. He's one of our preferred lenders, and he's got some awesome products he's going to talk to us about. Getting a new home um, in these market conditions with the affordability is really, really hard, right? So prices are high interest rates are high. This is making affordability a big problem. And we're closing this one loan later today with him. That is just an unbelievable product. And I really want to talk to people about this product.
2: Yeah, guys. Well, first, thank you guys so much for having me today. I appreciate it. My name is Kevin Foley. I'm a loan officer on the Novotny Lending Team at George Mason Mortgage. Um, The loan that we are closing today is using our Welcome Home Grant Program. Um, to give a little bit of context to like where I work and what that means for the products that are available to our team right now. is I work at George Mason Mortgage, we are owned by United Bank. United Bank is one of the biggest uh, community-based banks in the DMV. And so when you're a mortgage company owned by a bank, what's cool is you can create your own lending products. And at the beginning of this year, we created this incredible product called our Welcome Home Grant Program. It's a $10,000 grant that we give you. It doesn't need to be back. It's not a second lien. You don't have to live in the house for a certain period of time. It comes with a below market interest rate that's hovering somewhere in the low sixes right now on any given day. There's no monthly mortgage insurance, which from my perspective is probably the greatest asset to it. The way it works is the borrower has to qualify. The house has to qualify. But if everything lines up, Um, And we can kind of drill down into the details of this as we kind of go along in the podcast. But if everything lines up, then what happens is I get a call from someone like your client about 30 days ago and they say, hey, I'm getting ready to lock. I just went under contract. I'm being quoted 7.125 percent, charging me a point. And I say, "Okay, great. Like, let's talk a little bit about your profile. Where's the home? The home happened to qualify. At that time, the rate was 5875. So I'm talking to our client, our now mutual client here. And, you know, the first thing he says to me is like, all right, like, what's the catch? This is obviously too good to be true. And so like, this is kind of the conversation I'm having on a daily basis. There are no tricks to this. Um, This is a CRA product that we've created to create home ownership opportunities in the markets that our branches serve. So it's exclusively what it's meant to do. So there's
1: sort of three major components to this. There's the grant, there's the interest rate, and there's the PMI or rather the lack of PMI. So let's Let's start with the first one. People love free money, and this was $10,000. Yeah, so that's kind of like the marketing of it, the sticker shock. Obviously, like,
2: so with a lot of these clients, you know, a lot of the times when somebody... When somebody comes to us, you know, originally this product had a credit score where we could lend down to 620. We've We've six had changed the guidelines, it's at a 660 right now, which is still a pretty low floor for people who can use this product. But a lot of the time, 620, 660, you're constantly like FHA territory. And so like, while well, an FHA loan is an incredible product to like, you know, get into a home and then maybe refinance your way out or to build equity over time and then buy your next home as you work up your credit, um, on the, what we're doing for people is we're giving them $10,000 where an FHA might have, like has a 1.75% funding fee. So like you're swinging, you know, on a $300,000 house, maybe be fifteen sixteen thousand $16,000 in terms of like money that you have to bring to the table. Right. So the $10,000 is incredible. It helps people, you know, if it's a, again, the example, $300,000 house, you know, you can put as little 3% down. So we're covering essentially the entire down payment for that client. Right.
1: Yeah. So yeah. the, the $10,000 can be used for either closing Cost or to go towards the down payment?
2: Yeah, it applies first to the down payment. And then if it rolls over, you get the full 10000 right? So, like, that's a great question. So, if it's a $300,000 example, we give you the nine for your down payment, that $1,000 rolls into your closing <laughs> cost, right? And are, so,
0: are you able to combine this with things like seller subsidies?
2: Yes. So that's a great. So lending perfectly in. So again, our client did this. Russell was able to negotiate a 3% seller subsidy, which is where we max out for the grant program mm-hmm. as well. So now yeah. you have someone who's getting $10,000. You're basically covering almost all of their closing costs. And we're having clients bringing, you know, a couple thousand dollars to settlement, um, where maybe they couldn't have been able to even purchase a home prior right. to that.
0: So. So let's talk about that, too. So with FHA, you are obviously you have 6% you can do in seller subsidy. But with FHA, you have things like the funding fee and higher closing costs. So this is a much better product in that sense because you're not only able to use it in combination with the seller subsidy, even though the subsidy is a little bit less. You don't have the extra funding fees and things like that. So the overall money into the property is going to be less regardless. Yeah,
2: correct. And then we roll right into the mortgage insurance, right? So that's a killer on FHA. Um, you know, three, $400 a month you're saving. So if you live in this house for four or five years, you're talking about saving tens of thousands of dollars on mortgage insurance alone, right? Plus we're going to give you the 10K um, and the, the rates are typically going to be, for a conventional you know, FHA, it might be a little bit more competitive, but, you know, if we're somewhere in the low sixes today, I'm sure in FHA's high 6s where conventional's right now, like over seven, right? Right,
0: right. Yeah. So let's talk about the locations, like where you guys serve, and where it's not I know it's not every house in these geographical areas. Yeah, so correct. What's the process you go through in deciding if the house is able to use this program?
2: Yeah, sure. So it's based on the D.C. census tract and the way where we found the most success. At any given time, there's probably about 15 or 1600 homes in the DMV that are qualified. And so we've been doing this for about eight months. And I can tell you almost the entire county of Prince George's County is going to qualify. Right. We have Upper Montgomery County, a lot of success in Gaithersburg, Germantown, Montgomery Village. Uh, Silver Springs has been a good area for us. Pockets of Frederick. Um, actually, over in Charles County, we're seeing like White Plains and Waldorf has had a lot of success. Downtown in DC, I would say there's two or 300 homes right now that are qualifying for the grant program. Um, so the way it works is we have an internal lookup tool. So we have a list that comes out every Friday with all the accessible homes as well. So we're forwarding those to you know you guys, our realtor partners, into our clients who are you know prospecting and looking at houses right now.
0: Are these homes that don't have mortgages on them? Like, what are the criteria? Do you, if you're
2: yeah. So it's typically higher minority census tracts. Okay. Right. So going back to it being a CRA product, um, the whole point of this is to go into the community and create homeownership opportunity. I can't tell you how many clients we've helped where it's like this is a generational, the first time in someone's family that they've ever purchased a home. We had a young man who settled on Friday last week. His family flew in town to be at the settlement. I mean, there's four or five of them. At the table because it's such a, a big monumental moment um and again that was somebody else who were able to get some you know seller subsidy for he's getting the ten thousand so he's coming to the table with such a little bit of money which is also very helpful because you know now he can furnish his place mm-hmm. uh or have like a welcoming party he's got a little bit of cash left over where he didn't have to liquidate everything he owned uh to
1: get in the house
0: Which is awesome because usually for your first home purchase, you have like two (laughs) two nickels to rub together afterwards. Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) And
1: let's talk about so we sort of touched on the first two components. The we get the free ten thousand dollars. We've got the no PMI, which is amazing. That's saving you hundreds of dollars a month just in that. And let's talk about the other component, which is really eye catching because right now we're seeing interest rates in the sevens, even in the eights in some cases. So I think um, this particular client of ours was getting about a seven and a quarter, seven and a half percent interest rate quote on a conventional loan. Um, And I said, hey, here's a list of lenders. Just talk to him. Can't hurt to talk to other lenders and see what's uh, out there. And what what rate do we get for him on this?
2: Yeah. Five, eight, seven, five. Yeah. So not
1: quite, but almost two percent lower than what he was getting on a conventional loan.
2: Yeah yeah like really hundreds and hundreds of dollars less plus he doesn't have any of the mortgage insurance so I had a couple hundred bucks more yeah it's so funny actually when we were having the conversation I was out back of my house and we were quickly chatting and as soon as like we kind of went through the high level of like does he qualify in my head I'm kind of like asking the questions and I'm recognizing like okay he's definitely probably going to qualify and then I like where is the house and as soon as he told me the location I literally sprinted inside I ran to my computer I sat down I'm like on the like the website I'm like looking it up and And I'm just like, hey, I'm going to tell you like right now. And then he's just like, I can't believe it. Like really like what's the catch? So then we had to have a 10-minute conversation about like there is no catch. And like there isn't any like I have to live in this house or it's a second lien. Like, you know, a lot of these other down payment system programs.
1: Yeah, because like the um, HPAP and those things are often actually a second loan that may disappear at some point. Right, sure. But this is no catch. It's just free money.
2: Yeah, this is just free money that's (laughs) given to people. And as this is getting – more and more, we're getting more and more um, notoriety now in the market, particularly the marketplaces where like you're finding a lot of the success. So, you know, we'll see the bank has committed um, a significant amount of money to this you know to this grant program over the next couple of years but again as more and more buyers are using it we'll see if they make tweaks to the guides and you know to be honest with you what's again what's really cool about working in a bank and having direct feedback to the people when we have these our own products like we i had a client early on the one of the guidelines was you can't have any late payments in the past 12 months for anything not like just like rent or mortgage but like and this particular person had like a department store credit card that eight months ago, they had just forgot to make the payment, right? A $30 payment. And we're sitting here and like, you can call the credit company. Sometimes and you can try to say, Hey, like we talked to four or five different managers of this company. And we're like, Hey, this is preventing her from buying home. Can you just like, she's had this card for 15 years. It's so it was a mistake, like, and they are so cold and ruthless about it. Right. And so um, we ended up having to deny that loan. And it was the first time in my career I've ever denied a loan. And we eventually got her back under contract and things worked out for her. But, uh, what happened after that was like, I made a stink to our leadership about it. And I was like, this is not the spirit of this program. This is not what we're trying to do with this program. Can we have some reasonableness to it? And like, they have like, you know, like I'm not a bank executive. Compliance is a word that we talk about regularly at our company right now, especially with like where the market is. Um, but they listen to us and now like effectively we've changed those guidelines. So like you can now have a late payment uh, on anything besides your rent or mortgage. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Is that something you have to get figured out before closing?
2: Yeah, so yeah. Like so like yeah. we had teached up so yeah, that's a great point. So like I didn't cause we don't run our business model that Like we like we are under basically manually underwriting files ourselves up front. We're collecting all documentation. So like I saw this immediately on her credit report. We had a conversation about it. She had reached out to them proactively before I even issued a pre-approval for her to like, or pre-qualification for her to let her go out and shop for homes, right? So we knew this was coming. She went under contract very quickly. She had reached out to this company and the feedback she got from them without me being on the phone with them was like, yeah, sure, no problem, we'll do this. Now, so like, then she told me, hey, talk to them, it'll take a couple of weeks, I'll get a letter in the mail. And so like, we kept waiting for this letter in the mail to come and like, we're under contract and like the appraisal's happening and we're like moving down the tracks and like, we're waiting and waiting and then we get two or three weeks out and we're just kind of, stalled at this point. And like, we've got, you know, a conditional approval and the file looks really good. And the only hurdle is, is this little late payment. And so eventually it boils to like me and the agent and her are on the phone with this company. We are asking to talk to a manager, to that manager, to that manager. And like, you know, we're trying to come from the heart side of it. We're trying to come from the practical side of it. Um, Like, do you really want to prevent this? young lady from home ownership opportunity over something. And like, they take such a hard stance on removing, what we needed to do was have it removed from the credit report, not like give her her late money back, but like this mark, this derogatory mark cannot be on the credit report. And so we've had our our credit company involved, just like a million of us on this call. Um, And eventually they just wouldn't do it. And so um, at that point, when you submit these guides, from my understanding when we submit these guides to like the government entities like th- those are what the guidelines are and like if we make exception for one person on something as unfortunate as it was then apparently you know it's like why haven't we been making exceptions for other people who are in that similar s- situation so we have to update the entire guides so it was a really unfortunate situation she handled herself um i don't know if i would have handled myself the same way you know mm-hmm. she was really put together about it and like i said we kind of all Came back together. We took a minute. It was emotional. It hurt for a second. Um, you know, obviously, that makes when you're thinking you're gonna buy a home and mm-hmm. then you're not gonna buy a home. And uh, but she, we got right back up, and then like three or four weeks later, we settled. So, I didn't awesome. go
1: home. so, uh, this particular program too has income limits, right?
2: It does, yeah. So, I mean, actually, they're super nice. It's $168,800 for Prince George's County, Montgomery County.
1: That's pretty high income limit, yeah. In it's fact, super in, high.
0: in the areas that you're targeting. It's not. It's a non starter It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I mean the the average household income in Prince George's County is ninety thousand. The average household income in Montgomery County is, hundred and ten thousand or so. So, uh, you can be well above the average and still qualifying for this mm-hmm. lo- this loan product. And in fact, almost every other loan product with um, correct me if I'm wrong with income limits, it's usually something like eighty percent of the average household income in that area. So. Ninety thousand. Then in PG County, we'd have income limits for a lot of these around eighty or seventy-five thousand.
2: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. of them are, and we have a uh, another one called Journey Home. It's a similar type of grant program. Um, it's not quite as advantageous, and that one is an eighty percent AMI, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. like, but for Welcome Home, that's why, like. When you just keep peeling it back, you just see 120%. So it's 120% of the area median income, like, okay. right? So like that's exactly what it is. So in all of the, as they've just upped it now, you know, that's, that's $168,800 in all of these locations. So that's, again, so we're helping a lot of people who this product was, I think, in the spear was meant for. And then we're also helping to your point where it was like the, the client you and I have closing, settling today. We have a young first time home buyer who... Uh, He's out of college. He has a really, really good job and he's willing to be flexible and he's smart in a market where you need to be smart and where you need to listen to professionals who are doing every day. And he saw an opportunity to take advantage of an awesome program. He was flexible. Where is he willing to live? Knowing he's going to live there. What? Three, five years. And then eventually he'll hold that or he'll move on and so that move up. And so people who are smart like that uh, are going to have big advantages in the long haul.
1: Yeah, so actually I'd like to dig down to actually some of the specific dollar amounts on this deal. So I think we're buying this property for five hundred twenty thousand or so. But let's use let's say it was five hundred thousand because that just lends itself to easy math. Sure. So we were able to negotiate in a seller subsidy on this property. Um, and the conventional uh, loans maximum seller subsidy is three percent. So we got $15,000 in a seller subsidy. Um, again, something a year ago, we weren't able to negotiate yeah. seller subsidies. We get, So we got $15,000 in the seller subsidy. We got $10,000 in the grant. And if he had been doing a 3% down loan at $15,000, 2 thirds of his down payments now covered by that grant. That's right. We got almost all of his closing costs covered by the seller subsidy. $25,000 in free money. Yeah. Um, and so he, he's bringing some tiny amount to the table i don't know 5 or 6000 dollars right, $6, right. Uh,
0: yeah. how does it come on the alta is it a, a credit from the lender
2: yeah it just comes as yep lender Sweet. credit yeah nice
1: yeah, that's very nice yeah and and we were able to get him some repairs done um where a year ago we wouldn't have been able to so right we in we're saving hundreds of dollars a month on the pmi hundreds of dollars a month on the lower interest rate mm-hmm. so Twenty five grand plus that probably works out to what five or six hundred dollars between PMI and a lower interest rate, right?
2: Yeah, Conservatively, I would say. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars a year in lower payments. Yeah. Um real money. Twenty-five thousand dollars when the subsidy and the grants is all added in. This is an incredible opportunity. So when I started buying houses for myself um 12, 12, 13 years ago. Um, the government was offering $8,000 um, uh, tax credits to people to buy houses during the foreclosure crisis. And we got a couple of houses at the time. And so we got $16,000. That helped me to really jumpstart my wealth building at that age. Mm-hmm. This product can be the same thing. This can be a jumpstart to building you know, wealth for young people as they start to buy their first home. And I mean, it's just a huge amount of money. It's
0: superior I, to FHA because the PMI to me, I mean, I pay 300 bucks a month for the life of the loan I have. Yep. Um, and that adds up to car payment. That's how I look at it. Sure.
2: But when I look, I mean, to your point about like the young people, like I was, it took me a long time to get my, I'm 38 years old. and It took me a long time to get my life together. When I see people like Sarah and our, and our client here who are in their early to mid 20s and they're owning property and they're like, thinking in real estate. Um, and then they have family and friends who support them in that venture. I think a lot of times you have parents, um, wanting to be giving good advice to their young first time home buyers, but they just haven't been in the market for so long. And they are just really just don't have a pulse on, on what's going on. And like, if it's why who you work with is so important, right? Because if you're putting together a team like we just did on this deal, right? And you're able to negotiate this 3% seen as the market soften for the seller side, and then we partner up and like you know though this is a program that he can take advantage of. So like to the long-term financial health of this young man. I mean I, I can't even imagine. If I could go back in time, that's that's what I would do when I was young. I would buy and Sarah talks about this on her social media all the time about buying real estate when you're young and then it's just like you have all of this time. So like as the rates move up and down. Like it's kind of irrelevant in in terms of like a an individual, right? It's all about like what's motivating them, what is good for them, what can they afford, and then we talk about a strategy for the short term and making them feel comfortable. And then like, what's the long term objective, right? Like, do you, are we going to refinance you out of this? Are you only going to stay here for a couple years? So maybe you shouldn't even be buying right now. So like, we have all these strategic conversations up front so that we know what their goals are and that we can put them in a good position. And you know, sometimes we're not the best lender for people. Sometimes we tell people, we told a client last week, they're like, hey, I might live here for 18 months to two years. And we're like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be buying right now. And like, we look at everything as like, we're gonna be doing this for the next two decades, three decades. Well,
0: yeah, that's the principle of timing the market versus time in the market. Right. I think people get really caught up, especially now about timing the market because they're so obsessed with the rates and the short-term gain from things when in reality decisions and wealth from real estate are made over 20, 30 years, not in the next 18 months. So it's, you it's, know, it's this social. tool is so important for young people, especially. And you said it's, you guys started doing this like eight months ago. Yeah. So was that kind of a response to how crazy the market was that you were trying to give people a leg up who, t- so typically like eight months ago, FHA loans were still having a tough time winning out over cash or, or conventional. So was this a kind of a response to that to kind of give first-time home buyers? Yeah, shot I think forbid. you inadvertently
2: just teed me up there for another as- great aspect of this grant program, which I appreciate, <laughs> uh, is that like this is a conventional loan essentially for us. Yeah, no. too, so we can close it quickly. But yeah, to your point, there are like stigmas around all types of loans from for wh- whether that's right or wrong. Uh, we talk. I know you talk about a lot of bias right now in appraisals. So like. We know that the real estate industry isn't perfect, and so, uh, but you also have to know like what is and, and how to play the game and how to best serve your clients. So yeah, this is a conventional loan, and so like the difference of putting in you know submitting with an FHA offer mm-hmm. versus a conventional offer and being able to close something where it doesn't have uh, extra like overlays on it. Uh, and we fund this ourselves, so like you know we've closed a couple of these things as needed, and like when we first rolled them out, and the market was still twenty offers and. You have to close in 18 days. We're closing. It's 18, 21 days as, as needed.
1: Yeah. yeah. And as Sarah said, the time in the market beats timing the market. And uh, this just reminds me of um, a client. Uh, I was looking up. We have a client that's looking to purchase. And I looked up the first time that they contact me. And it was in early 2019. So once we get into early 2023 here, we're literally coming up on four years. This person has not bought a property yet. Um, if they had bought when they initially intended to, they would probably have a hundred thousand in equity now, just, Mm -hmm. but they thought at the time it was too expensive in 2020. They, they also just thought it was too expensive. 2021, it's too expensive, right? And they,
0: now it's actually too expensive. And (laughs) so they're
1: making, right. They're making offers during these times and they can't get quite over the hump of paying what it costs to acquire the property. But had they just acquired the property at the very beginning, Mm-hmm. Um, four years in, they were originally looking in College Park. Um, you know, College Park's probably gone up twenty twenty two thousand dollars per year on average each of the last four years.
0: Well, I tell a story about my landlord. I went to College Park. I went to Maryland. My landlord, go Terps, go Terps. Go Terps. <laughs> <laughs> my landlord was a volunteer firefighter. That's his passion. That's what he wants to do. He had inherited the house that me and my sisters lived in um, years ago, and he didn't have a mortgage on it. That thing, that one house that he had allowed him to be a volunteer firefighter because he made all of his money from that house. And it wasn't because he bought it at a good time, at a good point in the cycle. It's because he got it 20 years ago. And that's so important. He could have made $2 a month on it when he got it 20 years ago. But now it's funding his entire life and he's able to do the things that he actually cares about. And this is one house. And that's the power of just sucking it up, buying the house and waiting. Because if you put, if they, like those clients, if they put half the effort into like being a landlord that they do into analyzing properties, then they would have optimized whatever property they bought three years ago if they had pulled the trigger and it would be making them a ton of money.
2: I think a lot of people who fall back on data or like trying to be smarter than everybody. I mean, like I it's kind of like you look at the stock market the past couple of years. I mean, like everyone was making hand over fist because like you didn't have to know anything you just had to have money in there and the market just kept going up and up and up and here you are like people like me thinking like oh i got this whole thing figured out and then one day it just comes crashing down but you know like the long-term investment what they tell you is to like not take an approach like that was the same thing you know like are you is your goal we have these come to Jesus talks all the times with our clients. And it's just kind of like, Hey, we know this is an emotional time. We know this is a big decision, but like, is your goal to buy a house? Right. Mm-hmm. So then like our job is to put you in the best position and put together the best winning offer for you right now. And then we talk through what it is you're hoping to accomplish in the near term and then in the future. And so we put all these plans in place to make you feel better. But then when people start to like overthink or overanalyze or we, we had so many buyers during when it was like everything was escalating up higher, where like they could have won at any time. And they just kept putting in like the third best offer out of 25. And it almost felt like they were self sabotaging themselves because they were just like, they couldn't make that decision. Right. And it's painful to watch. Or allowed external. Decision makers, parents,
0: friends, people who screwed up big time before 2008. And we like you talk to my family, if you even use the phrase arm around my family, Mm. everyone just seizes up. They're like, don't buy houses, you'll lose all your money. But now there's so much information for free. Fear is based on like what not having information and not being unable to like make a decision and experience things. Allowing other people to supply the fear is just not going to get you anywhere in any any aspect not just real estate and yep. then there's so much information now there's no excuse for not pulling the trigger at some point
1: well it's also funny because everyone's sort of afraid of two things which are the polar opposites they're afraid of inflation well what what does inflation do to real estate prices and rent prices <laughs> Makes and sense. at the same time they are worried that that prices are going to come down hugely well you can't have high inflation and prices coming down those are two opposite things so even just the logic of of their fares does not align up, right? And it's fine if you believe one or the other is going to happen, but both can't happen at once. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Right. I don't think any of us are trying to make our businesses about bullying people into buying houses. No. But when it comes to the fact that you're, you can lead someone to water, yep. <laughs> you can not only lead them to water, but show them how to drink it, show them what to, to do with the water for the next 25 <laughs> years, you know, give them all this guidance um, but at the end of the day, it's just I think it comes down to fear, and I feel like if you don't take that action early, it's just not going to come. At yeah, any I point. don't.
2: And, and like it, it's funny you say bullying. I think that sometimes uh, yeah, I'm a pretty relaxed person, but I think once you when somebody comes to you and they tell you this is what I want to do right and then you start to put in the effort and you're collaborating and then it comes time all right, like let's this is like we want to make an offer we've looked at 10 houses like this is kind of like what we've all been working to and a lot of the times what we find especially the first time home buyers and I'm sure you guys know this is like again they get like a little reserved or mom and dad or a cousin or an uncle or whoever like you've got to figure out and I think that's being a good real estate professional is figuring out early like when there's multiple people who has influenced the decision like really like this, this young person is buying but like it's really dad who's like giving the approval for this person to feel like that they're going to make a buying decision right so
0: right and yeah as a practitioner identifying those people early just like you said kevin and i have had deals together where (laughs) at the very last minute we're days from closing dad shows up literally dad might literally show up at the the lending office um like oh my gosh this is terrible but identifying early on will help you to alleviate kind of the pain points there if it's even possible
2: to alleviate them. (laughs) That's how our relationship started too. We, I mean, a little over, I think it be nine months ago, eight months ago, we had, uh, shoot, we were, we had like two or three go under contract in a weekend. Mm -hmm. And then like they all, all first time home buyers. Mm -hmm. And like, I think one ended up moving somewhere and like something else happened with another one. But um, yeah, it's difficult. You look back into Russell's point, like they could have owned these homes and even like a year they're making equity, they're Mm -hmm. paying down, they're not like paying rent. And so like, um, it's a shame when family members get involved. I'm not afraid, you know, to honestly though, if I know that the person's what that person really wants, but like it's someone in their life who just has this influence on them. I'm not afraid to kind of give the advice like, Hey, like this is your life. Like what, what do you want? Like the numbers say you can do it. You're in a position to do it. You're telling, you know, Sarah and Russell, you love this house. You've seen Mm -hmm. 30 houses. Like, let's go get the house. Let's put together a winning offer. Like, we're not here to, like, throw something against the wall. Like, that's not our professional approach. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times people come and they're like, hey, I think I kind of want to make an offer. And, well, it's like, well, our business model here is to help you buy the house. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the goal. It's not like to, like – figure out like maybe because you can buy the house sometimes people stretch and it's like how could we make this work but when you see someone who's just so well qualified and they just can't get out of their own way like sometimes I think you have to have more adult like direct conversations with people and like to their benefit and sometimes people say you know what you're right like I had a young lady the other day like we've been trying and trying and trying to figure out and like you know the writing was kind of on the wall a little earlier that like it was going to be a difficult to get her positioned where she wanted to be. And like, eventually she's like, Hey, I'm going to take a hiatus. And like, I'm like, great. Like whenever you're ready, we're here for you again. Um, sometimes I think we tr- like loan officers want to be like, you know, the magic the saver, you know, coming and save the deal and put it all together. And sometimes it's there. And sometimes people just can't get out of their own way. And like, mm-hmm. it's tough to watch.
1: Yeah. There, there's always naysayers out there that want to stop you from acquiring wealth. Right. And yeah. there's always reasons not to buy. And it makes me think when I, started buying my first uh, batch of houses 12 or 13 years ago. All of my friends in my social circle were like, why are you going to buy this rental? You're not going to make any money. You're going to get calls at middle of the night about about clogged toilets. By the way, never, never had a midnight call about a clogged toilet. (laughs) Um, And they were all naysayers and they all, and the market had just collapsed and the market was still going down when I, when I uh, bought. And here we are 10, 12, 13 years later. Guess what? All of those people who were naysayers now are jealous that they did not buy at the same time because they see that the financial freedom that that provides me um, that they may not have now.
0: And that's another huge advantage. I'm very thankful to have gotten into this younger because I was able to identify those friends earlier and then get new friends and completely restructure my social circle Mm -hmm. in a way that's gonna grow my mindset and my business. And I think if there's negativity around you in any aspect, not just real estate, you should probably reevaluate
2: <laughs> there is a oh god i'm gonna mess this up there's a bravo podcast i forget what it is <laughs> and i don't know why but my team lead, i don't know anyways well, i think it's like some of the young girls on like summer house or something like that they talk about like they have like this chaos theory and it's like if you have chaos in your personal life it all drags over into like your professional life wherever wherever you are but to your point it's like surrounding yourself As someone who, again, who has kind of like gone through some trials in his life and and done all the wrong things and is trying to do all the right things now, um, the people you surround yourself on a daily basis are going to have such an impact on your life when you are around people who are taking action and are working hard and are – just putting the noise to the side and focusing and you're seeing this like you guys, you, you, I mean, I'm so honored and humbled to be able to be a, you know, a partner with you and have some, any opportunity you guys send to me, I'm so grateful for, um, because you know, I Russell's worked so hard to build this success and we're sitting in this awesome podcast studio with this district of vest group sign up here. And Sarah's in her first year, she's, she could be in here for 10 years. I mean, she's so seasoned and so poised and, um, when you're around great professionals like that, like you just the success, you can just feel it. It oozes out and motivates you when you're around the negativity and the naysayers and the reason why you shouldn't do something in life. Like it's very hard to catapult yourself into success when people are just holding on to you and pulling you down. That's real. Talk. Like, it's just real.
0: Yeah. I liken it to um, when you go out with friends and everyone's drinking, but you and They want you to drink so bad because they feel bad about drinking, so they're not going to rest until you're drinking, too. And that's the same thing, but kind of in reverse with things like real estate investing and making big, scary decisions. People are going to try to scare you into not doing it because they feel so badly about themselves not being able to pull the trigger.
2: Exactly. 100%. 100%. And then on the flip side of that is once they see your success, they're like, oh, like, I couldn't have done it because of X, Y. There's excuses and all those mm-hmm. other things. Yeah, you just have to, like, drop all that. And you have to yeah. move yourself and surround yourself with people uh, who are doing the right things and working hard. Caveat yeah.
0: being, I'm the I'm the friend that makes everybody drink because I feel bad that I'm drinking. I, was too. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it,
1: too. I was, I was, yeah, I it made, it too. makes Put me feel, uh, remind me, when I first got into the real estate sales business, um, I started off at a little no-name brokerage. I was just working on my own, and I couldn't, couldn't figure out how to make things happen. And so... One of the decisions I made was I was going to try to join the top brokerage in the area and try to join their top office and try to embed myself around their top agents, because I knew if I just surrounded myself with successful people, I would learn how to be successful like they were. And I did that. And I think my second full time in the uh, year in the business, I'd um, i I'd done that. And I didn't even realize how well I was doing because I was just trying to copy these other successful people. And I made Washingtonian Magazine's top agents list in my second year in the business. Amazing. And I was like, wow, I had no concept that I was even doing good um, because I was still like nowhere near like some of these other guys that were just like um, like you know giants in the industry but
0: that's the importance of hanging out with people who are way more successful, successful than, you. than you the importance of being the smallest fish in the room because then the smallest fish they don't see other small fish they're not like hey i can settle to be a small fish yeah. all you see around you is success you're automatically going to aim
2: for that
1: it is almost so and, um, i mean very much too with uh you on the lending side so you right you when you joined the business you you joined a very high successful team and we're you know Positioning yourself in the lives of really successful lenders.
2: Yeah, so one hundred. So I was actually literally just going to say the same thing. So in real estate in general, I I was an agent. So I got my license in September of 2016, I think it was. And Russell and I were talking about this. We basically had a podcast episode prior to even recording this podcast episode. We were talking for like 30, 40 minutes, but I was saying I was at a brokerage where we did a lot of new home sales, right? And then you get hired and you get put on these spots and you're with a partner. And my first partner, like I just lucked out and she was an incredible mentor to me and she taught me so much about real estate and how to manage a transaction, how to have clients and like in new home sales you can sell a home and they don't deliver that thing for 18 months and these people are coming in weekly like wanting updates, they wanna make changes and like you're trying to do new sales, you're trying to like appease a developer who every developer has built the best project ever of all time. And so like you have all these different personalities and you're, you're it's a lot of people management. And then I went to some other projects and like you see that thing, people run their businesses differently and you try to take pieces of the other thing. But why I ended up making the jump was Jeff Novotny, who ended up becoming a preferred lender at the last uh, homes I was selling, which is the Copley in downtown Crown. He kept coming around and we did a bunch of deals together. And then as as your time's ending at a new home sales project, like you need something else. And these are commitments, two, three years that you're sitting on these sites selling. And, you know, the market was COVID, the market was shifting and he was like, I have this growing team. I really want to, I will train you. I will teach you everything you need to know. And so like, that was, that kind of sealed the deal for me. I was like, I didn't know what direction I was was either going to become a resale agent like you guys and then Mm -hmm. rebrand myself and kind of build my business from nothing or like maybe trying to take some like business close, some units that were closing out and kind of be sporadic all over the place. But, you know, Jeff gave me everything. And so we spent the first four months on teams I'm not even kidding you, 10 to 12 hours a day. And like he would click a button. I'd be like, why'd you do that? And then he would have phone calls and I would just listen to his phone calls for like six hours a day. All of his sales calls. And yeah, I was just taking notes. I listened to the cadence. I listened to the engagement. I was listening to like how he responded to questions when he like knew something or didn't know something and how cool he got back to people. The process that he has built is why we can do such a high volume, right? So in real estate, if you just jump in and you're not around somebody like, there's a thousand ways you guys can do it and build a business in real estate. So you've got to find someone who's a mentor like Sarah has found with Russell here. And then you can find, you can build a foundation of a real career versus like being transactional. And you're just like, I need a deal. I need a deal. I need a paycheck. I need a page. Like we don't even look at the size of our loans. Like I know some people don't want to believe that. Like That's the truth. We're all volume based. Like how many people are we serving and how many people are we going to help this year? Because the more people you help, you know, obviously the more name recognition you get and like the more opportunities that you get, like I'm finally starting to get some referrals and that's a great feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, that goes to, there's a saying, I think it's a uh, customer service has no price point. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, one of my top clients, um, he, I've been working with him, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And his first property he bought was a $120,000 condo, right? I don't make very much money on that. Um, but I think I've done like two deals a year with this guy, either directly with him or one of his family members or someone in his social circle. Two deals a year for like the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, all because I did a really awesome job with him on this tiny little condo.
0: Yeah. And back to your team, too. <laughs> we did a deal. We'll just call it the deal that will live in infamy. And the the ongoing support I can tell at your office is great because like you'd be on the phone, you'd be like, hang on, I got everybody in the room. And you'd be like, Jeff's here. Like the whole office was in the room trying to figure it out and like help you through things. And that's the importance too of not just like a good mentorship program, but a place where you can grow and be supported forever.
2: There's a lot of ego in this industry.
1: Like mm-hmm. huge egos.
2: Yeah. And as people find success, that egos just grow exponentially. And actually, um, One of our other loan officers on our team, Jeff's brother Mike, started with two other agents last year. They started this real scoop uh, kind of panel series where they've been going from county to county starting last December. And they've been gathering up four or five of the top producers in those counties and then hosting you know, a hundred, 150 other agents to come. And it's like a no BS panel. And it's really just kind of like, Hey, how did you get started? How did you build your business? How do you maintain your business? How do you run your business? And you hear and like learn the same things, but it's a lot of like humility, customer service, caring about people working with the right people, uh, the communication, setting the expectations, and then like giving a shit about people, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that those are like the foundational pieces of like how I'm trying to like build my business. So, like, you have to deliver tough news sometimes. Like, when someone doesn't qualify for a loan, or someone can't afford something, or somebody thought that their credit was high, or like, there are or someone
1: deposits 50,000 in cash into a bank account and disqualifies <laughs> that account.
2: Yeah. There are people, people who don't know, they just make decisions sometimes like, yeah, they, they just, while you're going through the transaction, like, you know, they buy a car or they're moving money around and like, you know, they don't do it maliciously, but sometimes that has like real material impacts. And unfortunately, when you go to an underwriter and you give them like the heart and hand kind of thing, they just say like, this is a guideline. Like yeah. I don't make the rules. But I enforce the rules and like there is nothing that we can do. Like mm-hmm. I try to give the song and dance a lot of times, like sometimes with our portfolio projects, which is our products, which is another really nice thing is like, we have a little bit of exception power. So like if someone's done deals with us or like, if we can see that, like, you know, it, it makes sense. And like, it's kind of a smaller thing. they like, you know, we can, we can work around that, but like big material things is tough. And then you call someone and you tell them and like, they get upset about things. So you have to, uh, you know you have to be a champion with them but when you communicate early and you say hey we're going to do this together and you know the phrase real estate's never a straight line i think you know we all know that's really true i've
0: ever heard that? i don't think i've ever heard
2: that oh really real
1: estate's oh, never gosh. have you I,
2: heard that i thought it was like one of those say like, it
0: real estate's never a straight line yeah
1: oh i've never heard that yeah. oh really it must be a lending thing we wouldn't yeah. okay. we wouldn't
0: get it
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> makes but, sense though. but yeah but, I've,
1: had, I've had the clients i had one client you we we're under contract on the house and he went out and bought like a hundred thousand dollar Porsche Cayenne. Oh um, mm-hmm. we got a close, we got to close, but, uh, that was certainly a big surprise. And some things you, you don't mention the clients cause some things you think are very obvious. And obviously that was not obvious to him. Um, so <laughs> yeah. now I do try to express some time in the don't, don't run up you your credit cards. So don't take out wisdom. a new loan. Yeah, right. yeah.
2: it's, all, it's so much education, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, you'd tell them, don't accelerate to stop signs. Girls uh, don't like that.
1: But the, uh, that $50,000 in cash, I thought was funny because I had said to the client, I was like, not only do you have to worry about your loan getting uh, denied, this person had just come back from a Middle Eastern trip and then deposited if, I think it was like fifty grand in the account. I was like, "You, you're gonna have to worry that uh, you're on a terrorist watch list because mm-hmm. you're, you're coming from the Middle East. You're depositing huge sums of cash. That's getting reported to the IRS but these and are, DHS. these DHS." What
0: we're saying is that these are yeah. laws. There's no wiggle room around these things. We certainly have no say over them. It's not a personal preference thing. Yeah. It's like
1: there's anti-money laundering laws. Yeah, no, there's actually, the Patriot Act. Right. And,
2: and like we had a client. So like source of funds, right? So like if you deposit like amount over 50% of your gross monthly income that like we've calculated it to be, not like what you think your income is, but how it actually shakes out to be, you know, then like we have to get a source of funds for that. And like we actually – Russell, you and I had another client who um, we is this really like sweet first-time homebuyer and they were helping out a family member. And they kind of fronted some money for a family member that the family member paid them back in cash because mm-hmm. the person, um, the family member has a business where they make a lot of cash. And that's just nothing malicious here. This is like all like literally to help a family member. And so I was explaining kind of upfront, like, Hey, like I noticed it on the bank account statement. I kind of brought it to the attention. I'm like, let's see what the underwriter is. Like we can do like a letter of explanation for you. And typically like it's a workaround and like, in some cases that money's material and like you need that to be able to close. And like, if we have to exclude it, you can't qualify In th- this case. Like it didn't matter, but like, it ended up being that, like we had to exclude that money. Now I left <laughs> again, not telling everybody everything and kind of knowing your clients. Like I, we, I knew we didn't need it. I excluded it. And then afterwards, I kind of like let them know just like just in the future, like we had to exclude this. So like, you should know that like, even it was from a place of like goodwill and in your heart that like what you did was against the guides. And so that like this could have materially cost you your own home for helping someone. And I'm like, I, I get helping a family member too. But like, you know, you got to help yourself first to be – this is something you learn like as you get older too, like the whole like self-help. Like you got to take care of yourself first. And like you got to set your priorities first up first because to lose a house over helping some money with some something that could have been held off for a month or two, like people just don't know. And you just mm-hmm. have to educate And them.
1: it's not that the lender – doesn't want to use those funds. It's that there's anti-money laundering laws in place, right? So this is how we prevent money laundering in Mm -hmm. real estate purchases is by sourcing where every single dollar comes from. And if it can't be sourced, um, then the U.S. government looks at it like maybe it's coming from drugs or from a terrorist organization or or from anything like that.
0: Yeah. So... Famous last words is you know I'm good for it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say to Kevin, I'm like you know I'm good for it. Right. Just write the loan, that's just right. sign just the paper. Write the yeah, I'm good. I'm a nice guy. Come on. Well, next one we'll talk about. We'll have to do another one talking about gift funds because that oh, seems to be a big sticking point in okay. investors and in in first time sure. buyers. But
2: um. I would say this just as a kind of a note to all the borrowers out there, like you know, as Fannie and Freddie are kind of with their pricing pushing borrowers to like you know portfolio type of products at different banks like just know that those guidelines are probably always going to be a little bit stricter right Mm -hmm. so like the requirements are going to be tougher um, but the product itself is going to be so much more advantageous so that like just when you're getting ready to buy a house like 60 days out 30 days out just like start to be pretty clean about everything no big cash deposits if you have cash on hand Mm -hmm. that you want to use for the transaction get it in, let it season, like let's document things. Mm -hmm. Gifts, we don't want you, your parents wiring their money, 25 grand to your account. Like you can go right mom's account, right to the uh, the title company when you go under contracts. So like, again, these are all the initial conversations we have, like, are you getting gift money? You plan to, yeah, sure, okay, great. Like here's how we're gonna handle this. So like setting the expectations up front so that like we try to avoid, you know, as many of these scenarios as possible, but evidently, I mean, something pops up almost every time, right?
1: Mm Yeah, so we're going to wrap up. So, Kevin, tell the listeners where they can find you if they want to reach out to you.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess this is like my social handle, my online. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, I'm still hip. I'm cool. Right. Yeah. Not so, your address. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Not my address. <laughs> We've made
0: too many enemies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, all right. So, at Kevin Folly on Instagram and TikTok. And then, uh, like, online, it's Kevin. Facebook's like Kevin.e.foley. Folly. But um, my email's is kfolly at com And, uh, here to help and be a partner. And we pride ourselves on genuinely caring about people and honestly putting you in a really good um, financial position in short-term and long-term. Awesome. Great talking. Thank talk- you guys f- so much.
1: Awesome. Great talking with you. Make sure you guys follow me and Sarah at Russell T. Brazil on Instagram and at Blonde Equity uh, on Instagram as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the
0: DC Real Estate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the hosts, reach out to them at info at dcrealestatepodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you access your podcasts.